Hello, everyone. Mystic Chick here. It's about that time to grab a glass of psychic protection tea, an intention-infused water, or an evil eye cocktail, and get settled into a big, puffy cloud of positive energy to contemplate another morsel of mystic goodness. So today's episode is, um, I think, a really important episode it was one that, you know, I'd been kind of thinking about for quite a while. And I think that it's just the timing is right to put it out there to the world. Uh, but basically, let's be honest, there are a lot of wonderful lightworkers out there. And by lightworkers, if you're not familiar with the term, it's just anybody in who practices in a, the metaphysical realm, whether they're energy healers, mediums, tarot readers, um, angel card readers, etc. There's there's so many different ways to be a light worker. Uh, but there are also a lot of charlatans. And they have toxic energy. They um, possibly engage in cultural appropriation. Um, they may just want to make a quick buck. And so this episode is all about learning what to look for when booking a service to protect yourself and your heart and soul from those shady people. And I think we're going to have a very spirited discussion today, Virgo Lass. What do you think? Grand rising. The spirit moves me to talk about this, talk about this topic. <laughs> you have an interesting aura. Would you let me read you? <laughs> So true. <laughs> oh my gosh. So have you, so before we talk about that, there's so much to talk about with this. Um, it could probably span more than one episode, but um, so the drinks I picked were actually pretty simple today. Um, I was just thinking in the vein of psychic protection. So there was one, I actually, this was, this bubbled up on Teen Vogue, but it's taken from pretty much like uh, Dr. Emoto's work with the um, hidden messages in water, but basically in, intention infusing your water. So, you know, when you're putting your water in your water bottle or pouring it into a glass, you know, you're thinking about a, a positive word, maybe like love or just some sort of like warm fuzzy for yourself. Or if you do need extra protection that day, um, maybe you're going to be in a uh, situation that involves energy vampires or whatever. Um, you know, you can think, you know, protection, love and light, things like that before you drink your water. And then that energy is infused. You can also write it on a label and actually stick it on the bottom of the water bottle or something to keep that that energy and intention in there. We also have like a recipe for a psychic tea. <laughs> <laughs> um the the psychic tea is like a teaspoon of jasmine for psychic protection and also it helps with lucid dreaming and lunar connection you have a teaspoon of spearmint for protection dream protection and mental focus and clearing let's see half a teaspoon of licorice oh my uh, there's always licorice in these herbal teas <laughs> <laughs> like I want a really good herbal tea, but there's always some licorice. So I'll like buy something that says it has rose hips and all of this other stuff that sounds really good. And then I taste it and I'm like, ugh, licorice. <laughs> <laughs> the brain of my existence. Clove actually sometimes does that to me. I'm just not always in a clove place or a nutmeg Yeah, right. Place. You, you've got to be in the mood for clove. 
Yes. Yeah. You have to embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> but a half a teaspoon of licorice root, and they're saying to strengthen the mind, grounding and protection, and then a pinch of lemongrass to remove obstacles, ward off negativity, and have good luck. And this is this was found on kitcheninthecottage.tumblr.com. So, and I guess you're supposed to pair it with stones. So pair it with like, I guess, hold the stones or whatever when you're drinking them. Uh, Ruby and Emerald to promote protection. Drink this before bed for lucid dreams and to ward off unwelcome energies. This tea and the stones promote the strength of the heart, a personal shield to protect you. I don't know. What do you, so how do you feel? Do you think you would drink that? I'm well, without the licorice. Okay, so you would you would go, forego the grounding and protection from the licorice root and just like just kind of take a risk? Is that well, it? You're a risk taker. <laughs> well, what if I hold a black tourmaline? Oh, okay. There mm-hmm, you go. Mm-hmm. I'm going the hack. <laughs> oh my god! All right, and then let's see. Oh, the actually the last one was the most fun because I think it's an actual bartender cocktail ah, the evil cool. eye cocktail yes there's some like if you google it there's some gorgeous images of evil eye cocktails out there just really really fun they a lot of them look blue and then they have a white creamy layer and then you do like a some sort of like light blue like spot on the top and then a black spot in the middle of that and it just visually they look so fun oh that does sound fun oh my gosh this one i'm just clicking on one of them i don't I don't think you can go wrong. I, they're just, uh, there's a lot of recipes for them. This one is on <laughs> metomati.com, M E T O M A T I.com, and it's the Greek Mati cocktail recipe. So, um, what makes it blue? It's the blue caracao. Yeah. <laughs> so one part of blue caracao i'm probably butchering that name but uh one part vodka four parts lemonade so it's basically what like a vodka lemonade pretty much yeah that's what i used to drink all the time when i was a a, a, a little like 21 year old like learning how to drink the first time <laughs> oh, oh my god um <laughs> Uh, some thickened cream for the top layer, I guess, uh, which I guess it says three quarters of a cup, two tablespoons of castor sugar, which I have not heard of and a blueberry for garnish. So I guess the blueberry makes the middle part of the eyeball, the pupil, if you will. Okay. So I know this is supposed to ward off the evil eye, but it's not going to ward off a hangover. That's all I'm saying (laughs) about that. (laughs) That is just a hangover and a glass right there with all that sugar. Ooh, yeah. I don't, I'm just trying to think, is there some sort of healthy hack for this? You could do like almond milk at the top and like colored water, I guess, if you just want like the look. (laughs) Yeah, like maybe just like food coloring. I mean, I don't see it. I don't think it's necessarily the alcohol that much. It's just all the mixers. It's like the lemonade and then yeah, sugary cream on top and everything. So I don't know, maybe if like you made it with, I don't know, soda water. And I don't know, a a bartender could figure this out more easily than I could. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, sometimes you just want a cute sugary cocktail that you can photograph and put on your Instagram. And there is nothing wrong with that. (sighs) 
<laughs> True. Just don't drink too many. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I guess as far as protection goes, <laughs> maybe the simplest thing is the intention infused water. Yes, exactly. I I feel like that's really all it is right there. You know, it's just like making any of these with intention as opposed to actual item itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, the magic huh. is you, people. This is what we're going to be saying for the whole hour we're here. The magic is you. <laughs> True. It's it's all within us. You just have to find out how to unleash it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also regulate it. Yes. <laughs> so just unleash it willy-nilly and have it just, you know, running rampant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to put on a leash. Oh, my gosh. All right. So going to our, our topic of the day, just out of curiosity, Virgo Lass, like, have you ever had any experiences with a, like, whether it was intentional or unintentional with somebody from the, like, a light worker uh, getting a reading or give you know having a reading thrust upon you and you know you came away with a bad taste in your mouth. You know it's really interesting mm. because I was just remembering when we were like thinking about doing this topic that uh, when I was in college and uh, I, I was in a journalism class and I chose the topic of doing psychics. And so I ended up like going to a bunch of psychics and doing interviews with a lot and getting readings done and stuff like that. And there were like, you know, some that felt very legit and some that felt very not legit. <laughs> so so it, it was interesting. And you know, especially when you go ahead and do a bunch of those in a row, all of a sudden, the language, the similar language starts to jump out. Like the, the readings that really like were not very impressive or anything. I'll, there was a lot of, oh, you're going to get a letter in the mail and it's there's going to be good news for you. This is back in the day when we wrote letters to each other. <laughs> and, oh my God. Yeah, or you're going to go on a trip and it's going to be very relaxing. And this was also at the time when you know I had my best friend who I mentioned before, an old friend of mine who was a Pisces and they always saw her coming. <laughs> like me, I think that they under they recognized my earth energy right away. So they would just stay purposely vague. But for mm -hmm. her, like she would just get this wild shit about how like someone in her family put a curse on her and she needed to give them all of this money so they could break the curse for her. And she was never going to find love unless... Like they broke the curse and all this stuff. Oh my and gosh. Yes, yes. All of this, all of this stuff. Like it was, yeah, crazy. And of course, but of course, like, yeah, I, I definitely noticed. I mean, that is the thing is that like when you are in that sort of a business, like you learn to read people very, very well. I think that's why they never, nobody ever came to me with that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't going to get anywhere with you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and and like yeah I mean that particular friend sure like she probably had a lot of breaking of generational curses to do however like 
that needed to come from doing her own shadow work and working on herself, which is something I don't think that she ever did, which is why we aren't friends anymore. And that sort of more vulnerable type is always looking for the quick fix of like somebody else do this work for me to break this curse. And then I will have a fitter, better, happier life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually wasn't like completely aware of even the curse breaking. Although like when you said that I had actually come across, it was an article. I'm trying to look for it now. It's on this, uh, I think it's a blog, actually, traditionalwitchcraft.wordpress.com, spotting a charlatan. But they do bring up the uh, (laughs) putting a curse on someone. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is under the telltale signs of a scam. Number two, they will claim you have a curse hex demon uh, something on you um, or a loved one is possessed or there's a psychic blockage or bad luck or are in danger, which, of course, they can fix for you. So (laughs) I don't know. That's terrifying, though, when somebody is like, you know, there's this hex and, you know, you're just your your life is destined to be horrible. And like, but I can fix it for, you know, the the easy price of a hundred bucks. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 that's a discount right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. yeah, you're right. It's usually way more. See, like, I don't even know how, the, how much those things go for. But, um, <laughs> but for me, it's a little frustrating because there's so many different ways that somebody can be, you know, a charlatan or just energetically harmful to someone. And the the thing with getting, you know, readings or services or something from uh, someone holding themselves out to be a light worker is that there's this, you need this level of trust, you know, like, yeah. and to be able to kind of have this relationship, even if it's just for this, you know, period of time. And that energy has to support that, you know, dynamic. And if it doesn't, it's just, um, it can throw you more off kilter than before, you know, you got this reading or this service. And it's just, it's, it's very frustrating to watch when people are, you know, whether they're just like, they may have been trained in a bunch of things. And so they have a solid background. And like, on the surface, you're like, well, of course, they're trustworthy, because they've, you know, had all this training, they've been to all these places, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but if you spend, you know, a few minutes talking to them, their energy is so off, that it doesn't matter how much they like knowledge does not automatically equal a positive reading or session right. or one that will like help you on your soul's path. Sometimes it's just, so people though, you know, they judge it by like how much they're advertising or on the surface, what characteristics they have or or what things they've accomplished. And, but I mean, you could look at any like industry and look at people's resumes and how they bump them up or add a little fluff or basically just flat out lie. I mean, there are people who worked as doctors around the world and lawyers who, you know, were performing multiple surgeries in Mm -hmm. multiple hospitals and nobody like even thought to check. I mean, that kills me. I'm like, yeah, how how did this happen? And it didn't happen just once to one person, you know? Oh, it's a big, big problem. And um, there was this episode of 30 Rock where 
Tina Fey is character is basically like starts dating like this really handsome doctor is played by uh, this actor's name escapes me now, but like basically the actor who played Don Draper in Mad Men. Oh, John Hamm. John Hamm. Yeah. And so like, he's like just all smooth and handsome and, you know, all John Hamm like and everything. And yeah, she's immediately just like totally smitten and oh my God, he's a doctor. And then the more and more she gets to know him, the more she discovers he's really, really dumb. He's not smart at all. But he's this really tall, super handsome, super like affable, like white man. And so like they just show flashbacks of him and like medical classes and he makes a dumb mistake and everybody just sort of laughs and they're just like oh that's so funny and then they give him an <laughs> a <laughs> but yeah but no there's there's legit a lot of a lot of doctors a lot of lawyers like you said in any like professional industry where they're exactly like that like they're very charismatic and they are very good looking and so everybody just gives them a free pass no matter how many fuck-ups they make because they're just like, oh, that must be your first fuck-up ever because you're so good-looking. <laughs> yes. There you go. It's always like, you know, it, it, and even like Tom Brady on the Saturday Night Was it Mad TV or Saturday Night Live? It was one of those. I think it was Saturday Night Live, but like, you know, it's like sexual harassment in the office and it's like him and this like other guy i can't remember who was the other guy but he was not nearly as attractive as tom brady and they would both they'd go through these scenarios where like one was appropriate behavior and the other wasn't but it was the exact same (laughs) scenario. it was just that one was tom brady and the other was the other guy and the other guy would be like hey you know do you hey linda do you want to go grab a cup of coffee sometime and then he gets like slapped in the face <laughs> it's just stuff like that but um yeah so <laughs> there's there's just so many there's so many ways that yeah people can look slick or whatever and and I think it's some of it too like there's people who have been in the media and you know like okay here's a huge example a prime example um James Arthur Ray, who had been in the secret movie or whatever. Oh, the secret. The book and everything. And, um, you know, he's the one who had that dangerous sweat lodge and killed all those people. Yes, yes. And he was rich and famous at the time. He'd been, you know, holding himself out as this expert and whatever. But then you started to actually investigate his background. And it was like, no, no. (laughs) He was not qualified to do any of this stuff. And. It was just, but I mean, he was leaving people out in the desert, like for a day, like overnight before even the sweat lodge without any water. They were supposed to go on some vision quest. And then he was like taking them then to the sweat lodge, which was improperly created. And (laughs) there wasn't enough water. There wasn't enough air. Oh my goodness. And then he like went through all these tactics as it was, I think it was like a week long retreat or something where people were basically bullied into like, you know, what are you going to give up kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Twitter won't move forward. They won't move their souls forward and stuff. It's like just horrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so when we talk about cultural appropriation, I think that basically like just shines a very bright 
spotlight on what we're talking about. And of course, like, you know, we are both two like white ladies here. And <laughs> so like learning the difference between um, cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation is like a lifelong journey, of course, you know, and also like breaking a lot of the bad habits that, you know, we might have learned from like the 80s and the 90s when people thought that appropriating a culture was appreciating it. Like, you know, like wearing like um, Native American headdresses and moccasins and stuff like that. Like that, you know, like, oh, but you're showing your solidarity. It's like, no, you just look like an idiot. Like, <laughs> even like sort of passing, passing the talking stick, you know, how many corporate retreats had that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or like, yeah, if we want to like really, I mean, go there and oh, I will go there. Like, um, <laughs> Oh, hey, Veda. <laughs> yeah, developed in the 70s in Minnesota by a bunch of white people. All of their oh, products yeah. are based off of like Hindu principles. But I mean, I've worked for them before. I've worked for Aveda Spas. And first of all, all of their makeup is pasty white. Like uh, an actual Indian person will not find their shade. And Ooh. all of the posters on the wall, yep, every single model is lily white and they're wearing like Indian saris and stuff like that. So, I mean, like they still haven't, it's 2022, we've had so many conversations about this and they still haven't like remotely learned their lesson at all. Yes, they're horrifying and horrible. And even though they make a really great mousse for the hair. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not good. Okay. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, and I like that they do a lot of good things. They go do like, you know, a lot of like great charities and stuff like that. And like, you know, protecting fresh water and things like that. But it's just like, like, Joe, just, just stop it. You're making money off of somebody else's culture. <laughs> like yeah. we've learned that this, this is not cool. Yes. And which, you know, is also kind of to go back to James Arthur Ray and, and even Aveda, both of them in, in different ways are kind of, <laughs> it's almost like they're, um, well, I think James, did James Arthur Ray actually call himself a shaman? I, I don't know, but it it sounds that way. Like I, I mean, if he's he like did. had like a sweat lodge and stuff. <laughs> um, I believe he did. Um, and there's a lot of like uh modern day like shamans and everything else. Oh yeah, he was convicted of causing three deaths through neg negligent homicide. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I'm trying to think of like how he define himself oh his father was a preacher in oklahoma and then uh he came out with this book called harmonic wealth and then he became a telemarketer a sales manager and <laughs> that's so funny how about... all of those seem to go together <laughs> <laughs> yes um <laughs> so he and uh, he's an advocate of the of the law of attraction but i believe his sweat lodge because i was trying to figure out of how he was actually labeling himself oh he's 
He was labeling himself as a new age spiritual warrior. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Oh, red flags! Just wave it away. <laughs> <laughs> Just there you go. Um, so he he had this retreat in Sedona. It was near Sedona um, at the Angel Valley Retreat Center. And two of the participants died as a result of being in a non-traditional sweat lodge. And I guess non-traditional just means poorly constructed by somebody who isn't a a true shaman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Constructed by someone who has read books on the topic. (laughs) Yeah, it it says 18 others were hospitalized after suffering burns, dehydration, breathing problems, kidney failure, or elevated body temperature. And another woman um, died on October 17th. So this was about 10 days later after being comatose for a week and oh my gosh okay the kicker here the attendees who had paid up to ten thousand dollars to participate in this retreat of death (laughs) had fasted for 36 hours during what was claimed to be a vision quest exercise before the next day's purported sweat lodge so that to me sounds a lot like some shamanic appropriation right there oh oh god big time yeah i was okay so i was literally just reading on twitter somebody posted just like a long list of things to do to like be an indigenous ally and Mm -hmm. One of them was about cultural appropriation, and they said if just because you are invited to the gathering or the sweat lodge or you know the um you know like the crafting that that doesn't mean that it's your culture. <laughs> I mean, it means that like it, it's flattering. It means that you know like um it was it's great to be invited to this to these things, but you can't take it to me. Oh, that means I'm part of this now. It's like no, 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 you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this doesn't automatically make you a shaman. <laughs> well, and there are shaman like diff- when we when you think of shaman, most of the time, I think it's a very Native American term. Mm-hmm. There are you know a number of different cultures who have shamans, but. Still, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lineage, um, you know, it has to be part of your ethnic background already. Like, there's a lot of different, you know, things that have to be in place for you to truly call yourself a shaman. I mean, right. I know right now there are a ton of places, and this just turns my stomach every time. There are a ton of places that are, you know, offering shamanic training, whether in person, like in a desert somewhere or online. <laughs> and you can just in, you know, eight easy weeks become a shaman. And it's just like, holy cow, like that really is a thing. But um, it's, and I, I think on Wikipedia, they actually referred to it as plastic shaman. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, have you heard that before? No, I haven't, but it it sounds like it fits. Okay, so it originated among Native American and First Nation activists, and it's most often applied to people fraudulently posing as Native American traditional healers. People who have been referred to as plastic shamans include those believed to be fraudulent, self-proclaimed spiritual advisors, self-identified new age shamans or other practitioners of non-traditional modalities of spirituality and healing who are operating on a fraudulent basis. And plastic shaman has also been used to refer to non-natives who pose as Native American authors, Ooh, especially mm-hmm. if the writer is misrepresenting indigenous spiritual ways. 
So anyways, critics of plastic shamans, and this is all on Wikipedia, but uh, believe there is a legitimate danger to seekers who place their trust in such individuals. Those who participate in ceremonies led by the untrained may be exposing themselves to various psychological, spiritual, and even physical risks. And it says the methods used by a fraudulent teacher may have been invented outright or recklessly adapted from a variety of other cultures and taught without reference to a real tradition. In almost all plastic shaman cases, a fraud is employing these partial or fraudulent healing or spiritual methods without a traditional community of legitimate elders to provide checks and balances on their behavior. In the absence of the precautions such traditional communities normally have in place in regard to sacred ceremonies and without traditional guidelines for ethical behavior, abuse can flourish. Uh, I mean, seriously, like even um, ayahuasca, which is it really been kind of a, a popular topic in the last. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I like had seen a documentary on it, cause they, they have an ayahuasca like church or temple or something, even in Florida that you can go to. But the the people who are practicing like true ayahuasca, these these um, you know spiritual leaders, they are supposed to take it for themselves and then relay their experiences to you. Like mm. no layman is ever actually supposed to imbibe ayahuasca. Right. It's not a party drug. No, it's just it's a method that they use to connect to other realms. And then they're the ones who are the seers and they pass on that information to you. So, you know, people have died from taking ayahuasca a lot of times because they mixed it with their other medications. And it seems like it's it really is a danger because the people who are more often than not seeking spiritual help, uh, a spiritual connection are people who are already depressed or struggling from other like mental disorders. And so they may already be on some medications to help balance that stuff out. And then right. they take ayahuasca. So just really horrifying um, some of the stuff that can occur just because a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Like that's why it's important to have for someone who's going to be doing that like that's why they were the spiritual leader because they've heavily researched they know what they're getting into they've trained with somebody else i feel like a lot of like especially like college kids think about like going to like another nation and just like almost doing it as a rite of passage like, doing like a bunch of shrooms like in the woods or something like that and it, it, these things are not the same yeah well and the other like really icky thing like I don't know how many people really know like what ayahuasca can do to you but it's not pretty like it's designed to make you throw up right. and have these like horrible like you know vision and like you're basically in some sort of fever dream because you're like puking your guts out non-stop and then just laying and I mean it can you know you could have heart issues from it like all kinds of things it is just really awful and even like how they're they're mixing it or selling it, you know, is I think I remember hearing that, you know, what they're offering to the general public is not the the stuff necessarily that the spiritual leaders would take. That makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> just icky. But yeah, so going back to shamanic practices and everything else like you can't just take an eight-week certification course and say now I'm a shaman like right not right, only, exactly not only does that like really I mean 
it undermines light workers in general, I think, because a lot of us really strive to help people and work from the with the gifts that we have innately and how, you know, we can use those gifts to help the world help, you know, other people struggling with certain things, you know, so if you just slap a label on yourself and say, I know I'm this, it's like, it just makes all of us look worse. And also right now, there's like a whole thing happening on Instagram specifically. And I mean, I noticed this like, too, like, every single time I add someone new who's like an astrologer, tarot reader, or something like that, all of a sudden, I get like, a ton of people with like that person's handle only slightly different trying to trying to follow me so (laughs) it's like so uh, like say i um just like follow shadow worker 12 and then there's no such person i'm making it up um and then all of a sudden like shadow worker underscore 12 wants to add me and at first I'm just like, oh, cool. Like um, the person I just followed is going to follow me back. But then all of a sudden I look and um, I'm not already following them, which I already was. But a lot of people get sucked into it. And then that person, like the shadow worker underscore 12, will eventually message them. And just like I said in the beginning, like grand rising, would you like a reading? And It's usually like someone from another country who is just stealing all of this person's content, just screen capping all of it and posting it like their own, like making like a, like a whole dummy, um, like a dummy Instagram to like, look just like the other person. And then they uh, go and like offer people readings, which somebody who is actually legit will never contact you for a reading. And it'll be something (laughs) like the the ancestors have sent me to you. They have a message and a lot of people fall for it. Uh Like I saw something recently, one person in the messages, something from Instagram came up saying this might be spam. And, but she was so excited that this person wanted to give her a, re- a reading that she just ignored that and went for it anyway. And this person took her money and blocked her. And then she went to the original person saying, you stole my money. I'm going to report you. And she was like, I've never, I've never done this. I don't ha- I never took your money and I never, I never like asked you for a reading. I don't do that. And that's the big problem. You can report these things all you want, but because Instagram doesn't recognize metaphysical workers as a legit business, oh. like there's nothing that can be done about it. That hurts so much. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it hurts so much. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, sometimes I really wish that my path had been simpler or easier, that I had just been like, you know, cut out for being an accountant and that I just had this, you know, very straightforward life. And I mean, I think a lot of this work, it definitely, there's a lot of twists and turns on your own soul journey. There's a lot of judgment and everything else. And you can't help who you are, you know, like everybody has a gift to give the world. It's just that in our particular culture, at this particular point in time, there are some things that are deemed acceptable and some things that aren't. And right now, I am not in the acceptable category. And it it does hurt a little because it's like, 
I have so many things to offer the world. And, you know, maybe a thousand years ago, I would have, you know, had a much easier time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really a challenge not to be recognized. And I, I understand, like, I have a background in psychology. I have a background in a very specific type of psychology that really analyzed even just job descriptions and the comp- core competencies of certain types of work and the skills necessary and all of that. And so I recognize and I understand that in the metaphysical community, a lot of this is so intuitive based that there isn't a clear way to define or set out a series of rules or whatever to say, okay, you know, now you're this, because I've tried that, you know, I've looked things up before and I followed that path. And it was like, you keep unraveling and you're like way at the bottom, you find out that that person, even though they put out this amazing certification training on this particular subject was basically just pulling it out of the air. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or they were getting it from mentors um, from particular cultures. Again, this like almost gray area, cultural appropriation stuff. Right. And spinning it in their own way and changing the wording enough so that it looked like it was on the surface its own thing. And then other people are looking like, well, you know, are you certified in this? Is it legitimate? And it's like, eh, let's, you know, at the end of the day, is there a license required in your state for it? If not, you know, a a certification, I'm going to put it in quotes, does not necessarily make or break whatever, you know, you're doing. I think that it's more about how long you've worked with things, you know, what your particular background is with it. That's definitely, and some people are just more suited for different types of work. I mean, there are so many, like, even as far as psychics, there are so many different people who are psychic and everybody's actually psychic. It's just, you know, whether or not you can tune into it, whether you have the ability to tune into it, whether you are too worried, even on a subconscious level of being judged by your culture or your family to tune into it. There's a lot of ways that people can feel blocked or that they don't feel they could ever be psychic. Uh, But I do maintain that everybody has that potential. So I mean, what what you said about like the you know, there's no license. Like, yeah, that actually like really hit home to me because I'm an esthetician. I have an esthetician license that says that in the state of Illinois, I completed this amount of hours and did this amount of studying. So I am legally allowed to do this practice. But yeah, like there's nothing like that in the metaphysical community. There's absolutely no license. Can you even like get a license to be an acupuncturist? I mean... I know there's schools for it, but okay. I think that falls under massage therapy and like that. Yeah, yeah. Also, that does need a license. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's physical contact, I think. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's But Reiki, uh uh-uh. Yeah, Reiki's different. Um, And there is some overlap. Like I know a lot of spirit... uh, massage therapists out there that also practice Reiki, but they usually add it into their practice then over time, mostly working with clients and realizing, you know, that there's a particular deficit and there's a need for their client base. And then they 
uh, end up going through that kind of training. So, oh yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, like in this business, I have worked with so many massage therapists, and uh, yeah, like I mean, I have had some witchy stuff happen to me <laughs> in, in those rooms. <laughs> but yeah. I think, yeah, that, that sometimes that is the path where you're going into massage therapy and you're maybe even thinking sports medicine. And like the next thing you know, all of a sudden you're doing energy work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I think it's a calling. I think your soul is just called to do certain things, you know, certain opportunities align and, and people align to, you know, make that where you need to be. Um, but even a, like somebody who's defining themselves as psychic, which again, you know, anybody can be, but like, there's such a range in a psychic abilities that just because somebody might be truly, truly good at being a psychic in a particular niche, like say they're clairaudient or they're clairvoyant or something doesn't mean that they are good at any type of psychic work. Like, right. Uh, some people are, you know, really gifted, they're really open, and they can do multiple different type. But there are some people that just thrive in like one particular area. And I think you just need to be honest with yourself and embrace your gifts and realize that you can't be anyone else. And don't try like you're doing your clients a disservice. If you overextend yourself or oversell yourself in areas that are not where you actually have any gifts. So basically stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, man. <laughs> the other thing is we got a couple of things that I wanted to make sure to touch on. But before we get to <laughs> aliens, um, <laughs> <laughs> before we get to aliens, I would also like to just kind of revisit just cultural appropriation and the metaphysical community and just like, it's just saying, okay, <sighs> There are a lot of wonderful spiritual beliefs and practices out there that don't necessarily come from your culture that you want to embrace. Is there a way then to label those things that you could possibly do, you know, through your own sense of self in your own way that would be different and not trying to align with a particular culture? I think... I think that there are also a lot of cultures that aren't necessarily considered themselves like a closed culture that are like, okay, I mean, we're, we're fine with you, like wanting to study more about us, you know, just as long as it's all coming from a respectful place. And usually it's, I, I think that a lot of the disconnect can be that, you know, you have like this indigenous or Hindu um, or Mexican practice and a lot of folk magic kind of like spans the world. But I think that the disconnect can come where all of a sudden, like this person who wasn't necessarily born into that culture suddenly wants to take the lead. It isn't about the practice. It's that all of a sudden they want to be the guru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, can't you just, you know, like, like learn? Like learning can be like this wonderful lifelong thing. And that is what appreciation is of like just learning without necessarily being like, oh, now I'm the one in charge. Yes. Well, that's very my own church. (laughs) That's very typically, you know, our culture though is like we we've taken over so many other cultures. Like we don't want to just, you know. (laughs) 
yeah. sit back in the sidelines and share. It's always like a dominating force. Exactly. Exactly. And like, if you feel like the need to dominate, then maybe you need to take a step back and re-examine your spiritual practice. Yeah. Or lack of. <laughs> yes. Disconnect from your practice. Right. <laughs> uh, no, that's a very nice way of saying it, though. But it is. It's just very frustrating that anybody who is not of a very specific cultural background is billing themselves with these very specific and honestly, I would say embarrassing labels in this day and age. Like, I think that even 10 years ago, it might not, it might have flown a little bit more, but there are just things where it's like, holy cow, or like the tribes. Join yeah. your tribe. Find yeah. your tribe. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. hurts my head. Yeah, and and yeah, and I remember like um, in the '90s saying stuff like that a lot. That that's why I said like cultural appropriation is just a lifelong learning adventure of like and and unlearning. It's also about putting your own ego to the side where people just immediately get defensive that this thing that they've been saying for 10 years is actually deemed offensive. And they may immediately want to just kind of push back on them and be like, no, it isn't. I never meant to be offensive. Like, um, this is just something that I would say. Like, oh, there are tribes the world round. Like, I had tribes back in my Swedish culture or whatever. And like, just going, doing mental gymnastics to make themselves not the bad guy where, you know, you, you could just be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'll stop saying that and just move on with your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quick fix, really. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, even like when I started out, you know, reading tarot cards 25 years ago and everything else, like um, just the, the world was different at that time. And, you know, what was acceptable to call yourself, what was acceptable to do as, you know, work, all of that is is very different than today. And your work, especially light workers, their work comes from within. Their work is this intuitive system. And so as such, it's connected with your soul. And by helping others, you know, you're growing on your own path. And that means that you're evolving. You need to grow and change and take in new information to continue to be a positive benefit to others. So a light worker who is stuck in the 90s, I would really, really pause and wonder yeah. if that is a good fit because it's like, okay, well, I do remember coming across certain phrases or certain things in new age books when I was like just getting exposed to it. But like the world is not the same anymore. Like we don't talk that way anymore. It's a little bit awkward. Yeah, exactly. Like when you read like like a textbook or something that was really like, um, or even sort of any book that you read in the 90s and it really resonated with you at the time. And then all of a sudden you pick it up like in this day and age and you're just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, there the, the were good ideas here, but the way it was written, like maybe, maybe, maybe it was not it. <laughs> Yeah, I cringe every time. Like I'll I'll go through my book collection every several years, and I will. I'll always come across something where I'm like, 
oh my, that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do not need this anymore. But I do remember my mind was blown at the time. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. That's all. It's all about growing up, even growing up just as a culture. This is why librarians need to weed the library every now and then. So um, as far as like other things to keep in mind. Oh, so we're going to talk, we're going to talk about, we're going to touch on aliens and things, and then we're going to kind of wrap up with some other things to kind of keep your eye out for as far as, you know, looking for somebody to work with on a healing basis in some way, shape or form. But one of the things from this website, traditional witchcraft.wordpress.com is um, I am in, I am an incarnated deity. Oh, wait, is that the name of the book or? No, it's one of the like things that call like you can identify a charlatan by if they Ah. declare that they are an incarnated deity. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. The the whole guru (laughs) syndrome. Like there's like, I mean, when you think there are so many documentaries right now about charlatans and scammers like the fire festival and bad vegan all of this stuff it always (laughs) comes from a place of like um i am the guru follow me and all of this stuff and then of course like it always goes downhill very very quickly and i i feel like that's why in my spiritual practice i still am not drawn towards working with deities because i'm i still feel very no gods and no masters (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> as far as like, you know, just the way that I view the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> that would just be, well, and so another like, um, kind of related thing to that is claims of being some kind of keeper of divine knowledge that only the enlightened are privy to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of people with that one. And this person, the the blog post writer, is calling out this particular group of people as the most dangerous out of all the types of charlatans. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I'm like reading some of it. I'm trying to. Um... Well, I mean, isn't that kind of what Scientology is all about, too? I feel like that is what distinguishes Scientology from not being like a religion, like maybe a lot of other religions, is because you got to pay a lot of money for it. That's why so many celebrities are Scientologists, because there's the only ones who can afford it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and they, she talks about, I think it's a she, uh, talks about outrageous fees for services, too, and... Mm-hmm. Um, that she's definitely saying that, you know, like, it's not about like you, you deserve to charge what you're worth. But um, if somebody is charging like way, way above market value for certain services, then that's like a big sign to stay away. Exactly. So definitely an issue. Um, another one is if you, <sighs> I, these are all like interconnected. I don't know where to go first, but um, like if they use a lot of terminology that you're not familiar with, um, like making it sound like they know more than you. Um, everything that, like, in order to be a true light worker and help other people, you need to actually convey things that people can understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have to meet people at their level, at, at the spot on their journey where they're on, regardless of what that means. And 
do your best to help what whatever comes up to get it to them in a manner that is like digestible and understandable that they can you know take something away from the experience and either feel better health-wise or in the case of like energy work or just be able to change their life for the better based on some of the information that you are offering them if they're if the information that you're getting or whatever is like i don't understand like i you're saying all this like basically new age babble and none of this makes any sense whether it's you know you're speaking to the person or the types of services they're offering don't really align with any particular thing you can identify, or if their website is like truly wordy and just rambling, right. on you can't find like, well, what are the services? What does this entail? Those are some big red flags. Yeah. Yeah, I would almost say too, like on the flip side, it's like dumbing down the language too much. Like like recently the two of us were like making up our own services and laughing about them, like the Heimlich for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cough up your auric hairball. <laughs> That'll be three hundred dollars. <laughs> your true life is waiting inside you. You just need to dislodge it. <laughs> But seriously, that's the problem is that anything with, with enough fancy wording, it can look like something in, incredibly amazing that you must have. And, you know, it's just like, no, you got to right. really kind of. And then and then you're going to get there and they're just going to have you breathe and focus on the color. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's got to be more to it than that. There is yeah. got to be more to it. But, <laughs> It just that's pretty scary. But and the other thing then is like aliens. So, you know, talking about like it and it's kind of a, another speaking of Scientology. <laughs> yeah, it it spans a couple things. Even the deity thing, like it could be an alien deity. But I mean, if somebody is like, yeah, you know, um, like I remember years ago, it was really, really popular. 20 plus years ago, talking about star seeds, talking about uh -huh. um, rays, talking about the Pleiadians, talking about agendas and all of that stuff. And like, when was the last time you heard anybody talking about that, saying they needed it in their life, identifying what type of alien they work with, like any of that? Yeah, like, I mean, even with the whole resurgence of learning about deities and um, witchy stuff, like, uh, yeah, I haven't heard anybody like getting that into aliens. Yeah. So and I'm not like an alien denier by any means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, we're just saying that that they're not as popular as they once were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that like, especially in my own work, when I work with like beings from other dimensions, any like spirits and, and, you know, you're pulling from a bunch of different places, you know, you're working with angels, you're working with people who've passed on, you're working with just all kinds of situations, spirit guides, but <laughs> that's a little bit different than saying, you know, that you've befriended a certain alien race and that you are the mouthpiece for their messages. Ah, yes. <laughs> I don't think that I've ever come into contact with anyone who ever said that they had a direct line to alien beings. If I ever had, I probably just would have walked slowly away from them <laughs> but i i do see it being a very popular thing um i because how would you disprove it 
I mean, that's the thing is you just kind of like make this thing up and uh, you can't prove that they're not like the mouthpiece of an alien of an alien race. Like, how can you say that they're not? Because you can't get in touch with that alien race for to have them say, oh, no, we, we don't know this person. Like, we, we never knew them. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> maybe they got, you know, the name wrong in the phone book or <laughs> but um, yeah so I don't know there's just there's so many ways that you know basically it's kind of at the end of the day you need to go with your gut like if something doesn't feel right don't feel pressured to take part in it whether it's like a group activity I mean even if you show up somewhere and it sounds really cool and then you just get a weird vibe or um, you don't really feel comfortable around the people or the activity, like just, you know, make it up, up an excuse and back away. It's not for you. Like, that's fine. Like, you got to honor yourself first and don't like feel like peer pressured because, you know, well, I've already paid for the ticket or well, this or that. Like sometimes you can get your money back. Sometimes it might just be a learning moment. Right, <laughs> but, right. But your own, you know, sense of self and, and your own like psychic protection is more important at that point. Um, I know we've all probably been in scenarios like that where it's like, ooh, I feel awkward and I'd like to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> I do not feel better about my life. And then the other thing is, uh, okay, so if you have any, like the the person that you want to work with, you should be able to clearly explain their services. They should clear, be able to clearly explain um, what they're doing, the order of what they're doing, um, offer to, you know, have a discussion with you beforehand, before you book the service, if you are interested in something, but you're unclear about the methodology or anything like that. Like every time I work with somebody, I'm very clear about what I'm doing. Um, when somebody books a service, I send out an email, like touching base with them, letting them know, you know, what the service entails and that if they have any other questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me beforehand because I don't want anybody to feel surprised or uncomfortable in any way. And you also need to be able to, when you're working with someone, be able to change things based on their comfort level. So like if you have a particular methodology that has worked in uh, most situations, you're like, okay, this is what I do. It's like, but if this one particular person is feeling triggered in some way or uncomfortable with a, a part of the process, or it could be even something like, maybe one of the oils you use is like really upsetting to their, you know, they just hate the smell or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you need to be able to change and adapt to their needs. Cause at the end of the day, they're the client and they need to get a benefit from your services. Yeah, exactly. It's all about, and you know, I've definitely like learned this in my own profession too. It's like making people feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations. <laughs> True. <laughs> you are you are like the the goddess at that. <laughs> this is why I am good at what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about before like how you are the the grounder for my crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It's seriously true because it's like, you know, I could just go off in the ether pretty, pretty easily. And you're like, you know, it's all okay. (laughs) (laughs) This too shall pass. It's like, oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but I don't know, like, is there anything that you've come across that like stands out as kind of a thing that you can't believe people offer or just has really kind of gotten under your skin? Oh, I trying to think of anything uh, specifically, but um, it's like, because I, I mean, I, I think maybe like when, like when it feels almost like a throwback to the 70s, where someone who is a white person who is dressed in like a full Indian sari. And um, I think a lot of it too is when they try to get into diet as well. Okay. Like, <laughs> because, yeah, okay, expound. Cause I'm I know like... I, I feel like I just went off and like into a different tangent, but I think that this also like, now that I think about it, this actually ties a lot into my own industry too. Like working with spa people because spa people can be very like, you know, kind of like, Oh, out there sometimes. But uh, it's usually the first step towards like getting into energy work and everything. And this is why it is so important to stay grounded. Like, I mean, you cannot reach that purple chakra without like grounding your root. I don't know. I probably just appropriated a whole culture just saying that. But anyway, <laughs> but y'all know what I mean. But, uh, but I think I see a lot of it. There's a lot where they're like, okay, but um, you also need, we're also, also going to look into your diet and we're also going to look into your nutrition and you need to be vegan and everything needs to be raw and you need to eat nothing but seeds and you need to meditate for 12 hours a day and you need to do yoga. And if you don't like doing yoga, you're just doing the wrong kind of yoga. It should be hot yoga. Have you tried hot yoga? It's great when you sweat out all of those toxins. And <laughs> I, I, I think, think that that is definitely the stuff that kind of drives me crazy because I mean it is important to have like proper exercise and nutrition to be alive and function and everything but when all of a sudden it becomes like almost militant like if you drink some wine and have a cheese plate then that means you're not going to ascend to the next level I find that highly problematic <laughs> The cheese plate deal breaker. The cheese plate deal breaker. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I didn't even think about the the diet come out. Yeah, there's so many. Well, there's so many ways that like and and a seemingly good service can go into the weeds too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know maybe maybe it's because they're building off like a solid premise and then they decide to add on something that's unrelated. <laughs> Or possibly even slightly related, and then th they don't have any like expertise in that area. Or I, I don't know. It's just it's such a that's the problem. I think is that it's such an amorphous industry sometimes. Right, right, and and again, like I see it in my industry too because there's so much overlap. And like I'm in some esthetician groups, and someone will be like, "Oh, my client has really um, bad acne. Like, um, what sort of things should I use to?" treat it. And someone else will say, well, you're not going to be able to fix the problem until they clean up their diet and drink only water and cut out dairy and meat and all this stuff. And it's just like, my thought is, we're not nutritionists. We're estheticians. <laughs> we treat the skin. We, I mean, you can maybe suggest 
hey, maybe try an elimination diet, see if anything affects, see if anything affects, like, I mean, dairy can trigger acne sometimes. I've also met people with severe acne who are vegans. So that's not yeah. always like the end all be all. So I, I mean, I would say if anything, if you suspect that this thing is being caused by somebody's diet, send them to a nutritionist. But then they'll be like, oh, no, like, that's not going to work. Like, um, uh, they're just going to ignore you. Like, you know, I have to send them to you know, someone who is holistic or an allopath or a naturopath or something like that. It's like, no, no, they're just going to give you an eating disorder. Like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, and that even happens with like coaching. So like, you know, um, people will like, you know, put themselves out as a particular type of coach or something. And like, I have a background in psychology, you know, and so I, I have a master's in psychology, but unless, you know, you get licensed, I didn't take the type of, you know, program that would put me on the path of being a therapist. So I have to put myself out there and say, look, you know, I am, I can do this coaching with you. And that is like totally in my wheelhouse. But if you start to talk about, you know, how you want to end your life or things like that, I am not a licensed therapist. Yeah. I make that very clear. And it's like, okay, let's put you in contact with somebody who can help you if you don't already have a therapist. And a lot of, you know, clients actually already do. And they're just kind of venting and that's okay. But every time I hear that, I feel like I have to reiterate that I, you know, that is not something that I can help them with. And it's the ethical obligation of it all too. Like I, I have a strong training in ethics. I've taken multiple courses in just ethics and working with people mm -hmm. and as part of my degree. And so, or actually I took ethics in undergrad and in, in my BA is in psychology and my MA is in psychology. I took ethics classes for both and it's very, very important to consider the health of the person, put that first, like, and, you know, yeah, it, it might be somebody who's a little bit shady in the moment might think that they can fix a lot of these problems on their own, mm -hmm. but it's just, that is completely unethical and you need to make sure that they get the help that they need. There are certain cues and certain words that people say that it's like, okay, that is not something I can help you with but I want to make sure that you get the help you need. Right. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that I'll, that's what a lot of this comes down to is, is your guru putting your health first? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It really yeah. is. Because <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, it's a, you're supposed to be serving others and that means actually like serving others, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, making sure that they are, you know, helped and they get everything they need to get out of the situation. So you're right. Like if there's any, there's just so many, I mean, this happens, like I hear so many like legal stories even about like attorneys who are not acting in the best interest of their clients due to greed or due to other, you know, things, sometimes it's just drug use. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's, again, where you really need to get to know the person that you want to work with, you know, your particular light worker, and just, you know, talk to them about their background, ask some questions, you know, if you do, if they do, like, pay attention to even the things that they're saying, you know, off the cuff, or just as asides, if they make references to, you know, their Coke days. <laughs> 
And I'm not saying that like, you know, there's a lot of tormented spiritual people out there that um, kind of self-medicated with drugs and alcohol because they were getting visions or because they were getting, they were hearing things and they thought they were going crazy or they wanted to make it stop or whatever. Um, And then they went through, what's the word I'm looking for? Programs. What type of programs, rehab programs or whatever, to help them get in touch with that and, and you know, turn a positive corner. And like some of those people actually are amazing to work with because they have, they've seen the darkness, you know, and they're able to help you navigate that stuff. But it, it that's just a very gray area because there are a lot of people who, if they're just like constantly making drug references, I don't think even if they tout themselves as being clean, I really don't think that that's the case because, you know, you don't talk about something that often if you're trying to live a different lifestyle. Yeah, that that is very, very true. So, or if they're like trying to get you to do psychedelics for, you know, certain spiritual purposes or things like that, run away. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's very weird. And a lot of, and the other thing is like, if somebody's charging a huge amount of money for a service, definitely consider, you know, what you're getting out of it because there, there seems to be kind of a limit to what different services will bear. And if you, if it's some sort of weird thing that you've never heard of before that they've like coined the phrase or trademarked or whatever, and it's like thousands of dollars, I would be very, very wary. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Light walking. TM. (laughs) Yeah. Just, um, I'm going to teach you how to light walk. (laughs) I'm actually going to set up a coal walk and you're going to get some sort of like, I'm going to get a spiritual message from like the embers that were left burning afterwards, kind of like tea reading. And you're going to get your own very specific intuitive message. And that is going to be the $2,000. Okay. You just made that up off the top of your head, but I'm positive somewhere out there, someone is (laughs) probably like doing that service. (laughs) Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. yeah see how yeah, we yeah. see how easy it is, people. <laughs> Just so easy, so easy. So, yeah, I would love to hear about some people's experiences too. Um, just with like just random weird crap in the metaphysical community, or just really interesting people they've come across. Also. Which, you know, you can definitely message me um, either through my website, I'm mysticchick.net, or uh, you can even send me a message on Twitter at chick underscore mystic or Virgo Lass on Twitter. At Lass Virgo. (laughs) So eloquent. (laughs) (laughs) So smooth, no underscores. (laughs) And uh, feel free to reach out to me with like any of your experiences personally or like any even additional show ideas. And you can also, you know, send those to Virgo Lass. We would love to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. And also, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, please um, subscribe to us, like us, give us five stars, leave a nice little review. It would really help us out a lot. Definitely. We we would be very grateful and appreciative and sending you lots of love and positive energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a p- very big puffy cloud of positive energy. Yes. <laughs> oh, I promise uh, it won't cost you a thing. Just <laughs> <a review. laughs> 
And a last thought, if you do find yourself in a situation, and I think we've all been there, probably, I know I have more than once where you come away from a situation, whether it was a group activity or a personal service or something like that, and you feel violated, you feel like things were off and maybe you just were too afraid to say something or ask for your money back or question what they were doing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And there's no judgment. But like, if you come away from something like that, and you feel really bad, um, just kind of put yourself in that light bubble, just let you know, even if you envision sunlight just shining down on you in the bubble of goodness, do not like nothing bad will get through the bubble. You are safe. You are protected. You know, drink some tea that could be grounding for you. Um, even like a detox tea. I love Yogi Peach detox tea. That's like one of my favorites. You know, hold on to that black tourmaline. Yeah, take a bath with some Himalayan salts and maybe some lavender just to like calm or, you know, something, maybe even peppermental purge, <laughs> but like something like chamomile to relax and reset and just learn from the experience. Journal it if you need to. Um, if there's any way to leave negative reviews anywhere, consider doing that if it if you feel comfortable with that. But just um, really take care of yourself first. Yes. So just just food for thought. And uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, there are a lot of amazing people out there working as light workers, and just set the intention that you align yourself with some of those that your soul finds those people that can help you with your particular issues. And I just. I don't know. This is just such a such a an emotional episode for me. And I just want to send everybody out there a lot of warm fuzzies. And I just hope that everybody out there finds what you're looking for and has a wonderful soul journey. Exactly. But remember, like, the, as far as your soul journeys, keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> True. that will help you through a lot <laughs> <laughs> so until next time i hope everybody out there stays mystical good night my witches